0: Your beauty business doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's all about mastering a few key strategies and systems to save you time. Welcome to Beauty Marketing Simplified, a podcast dedicated to helping you on your entrepreneurial journey. I'm your host, April Meese. I'm a permanent cosmetic artist that built my six-figure business while only working three days a week and raising twin toddlers. I'm here to tell you it is possible for you too. With a background in spa marketing, it's my mission to help women worldwide get more profits while pursuing their passion and purpose. Let's transform your beauty business for more income and less stress starting right now. I'm excited to talk to you today about this subject. And it's not about, as I say, fear mongering or trying to scare anyone or sell anything. I don't have anything to sell. I don't have any courses that are open right now. Both of my programs are closed, so you can't even enroll in them. But I think it's an important topic. And I think it's something that we should all talk about. And the reason is because small businesses are hit the hardest during a recession. And the reason is because most small businesses do not have the reserves. They do not have the funds on hand. Okay. So that is one of the reasons. The second thing is most people are in two different camps. I think either the sky is falling or denial. Okay. So the sky is falling. The reason I say that is like, it's chicken little, right? Chicken little, If you remember, I have kids, so I always say that, you know, he was like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And then denial is like the other way of looking at it. And I think because we have a lot going on, it's easy to kind of be distracted and think, Oh, I don't, I, you know, I don't have time to think about that right now or not really take it seriously. And I'm going to give you guys some stats. I got these from Stacey Tushel who got them from Daniel Klein. And these were some stats done about, I think these were published in 2019, the end of 2019. And it said 80% of small businesses have concerns about a recession. 80% of small businesses have concerns about a recession. So they kind of, you know, feel like it's coming. You know, the economists have said that it's usually every eight years. So the last one was in 2008, 2008. And so we are 10 years kind of past due. And of course, you know, with the coronavirus and a lot of things happening in not just in China, obviously that affects so many other markets and worlds because not just because of the virus, but because of production and how much. You know, China actually produces how many manufacturers are there, and so and the stock market has actually responded to that. Right, the stock market has been you know crazy. It's been up, it's been down. So that's what we're seeing. Right, forty four percent of small business owners say that they haven't done anything to prepare. So that is over half of small business owners have not done anything to prepare. Kind of scary. How about this one? 36% said they're not planning on taking any steps for the recession. So they haven't done anything to prepare and they're not taking any steps. It scares me a bit, right? So, 80%, a majority believe that there will be a recession. Okay. They believe it will happen, but over half are not doing anything for it. And 57%, so more than half, 57%, believe it will hurt the sales and the growth of their business. Okay. So, now we have 57% that believe it will hurt the sales and the growth of their business. And that is for good reason. Okay. So they're not just making this up. There's good reason that they believe that. And that is because there were a lot of businesses that went out of business the last recession. And by the way, the last recession was a big recession. It started in the end of 2008. And it lasted really until 2010. So, for two years. In fact, they did a study that said from December of 2008 to December of 2010, 1.8 million small businesses closed. Guys, 1.8 small businesses closed. 1.8 million. million small businesses closed. So, and that's closed. We're not even talking about the ones that, you know, the struggles and what they had to do. So that's why I feel like this is a real important topic. Again, I know it is sad. I don't, this is not about causing fear or panic. It's about just having a plan, right? It's about just being smart, okay? We can't bury our head in the sand and pretend like it's not happening. We need to have a plan. So no doubt, hopefully you can see that, no doubt it will affect us all in some way. Everyone will be affected. On the positive side, there were some businesses that actually started thriving. Okay. Not at first, like towards the end of 2008, the ones that stayed in business, actually their business strengthened. And the reason their business strengthened is because, I mean, let's just think about it. There's less competition, right? So that's the thing. For those that are prepared to kind of weather the storm, if you will, then your business will come out stronger, hopefully on the other side. I mean, fingers crossed, prayers to heaven. That's what we would hope for your business, right? I think that knowing those statistics and just, again, knowing that things can happen, being prepared is important. All right, let's talk about some, some things we can do. So I first wanted to just tell you a little bit about my experience. I don't know how many of you were in business in on the last recession in 2008. I was actually working for Dr. Dennis Gross, a dermatologist, and I was doing you know facials and peels, permanent makeup, all the stuff. And at that time, I was working in the office. I did not have my own business. At the end of 2008, of course, the economy was hurting. The beginning of 2009, I actually got let go, along with lots of other people, the office. And so they had to make major cuts in staffing. And even though I was the longest employee, I had been there the longest, I was the employee that had been there the longest, I still got let go. Because, you know, unfortunately, the ones that are higher salaries, which I did have at that time, needed to be let go. So lots of businesses were affected. Now, the good news is I was able to then start my own permanent makeup business, but it was a struggle, right? It was a struggle because nobody wanted to spend time. So it wasn't a fantastic time to start a business. (laughs) But anyways, I persevered. So here's the thing. Most beauty businesses are viewed as nice, but not essential. So one of the things, other than the fact that the stock market has been going crazy, one of the things that made me think about this is I saw somebody posting in one of the groups, I think it was pay it forward. They said, you know, did anybody have a business or what lessons did you learn from the last recession? And, you know, one of the things about these groups is it's great to get advice, but sometimes the advice is like all over the place. Like some of it is just well intended, but not accurate. Okay. Okay. It's like when you ask in a group, you know, how much do you charge and you get, you know, the highs and the lows, and you're going to get like answers all over the place because people's experience is different. Their location is different, just all of the things, right? So it's not very accurate information to really help you. So somebody asked this question and then one of the responses was, I think our business will be fine because there will always be rich people that can afford these services. Yes, yes. And no. So, yes, there will always be a segment of the population that they prioritize their beauty services. You know, just like, you know, there's people that prioritize their Starbucks coffee or whatever their, you know, indulgence is, right? They make time and money for that, right? We all have our own priorities. However, the thing is, beauty services are nice, but not essential. And what happens is during a time of recession, that people, they cut out the non-essentials, right? There has to be budget cuts. It's just how life is, right? So you have to figure out what needs to be cut. And what happened during this time, as you remember in... 2008, people started stretching their budget. And the way they did this, I actually refer to the the ombre hair trend. Do you guys remember when the ombre hair trend started? Yeah. So the ombre hair was when people were growing out their roots, right? They couldn't afford to go get their highlights and their color all, you know, every two weeks or whatever their schedule was. So they were going in and they were saying to their hairstylist, Hey, can you fix this? And the hairstylist was like, Oh yeah, let's make it a trend. Let's make it like, it's not just dark to blonde or whatever, right? Let's make it like it's ombre, you know, put a little bit in between. So let's make it look intentional. Okay. So that's how some of these trends started. So then the next thing was, if you remember Groupon started in 2008 because people were looking for deals. They still wanted to try their restaurants, they wanted to try certain things, but they were looking for more of a deal because they had to stretch their budget. The other thing is extreme couponing. Now that happened in 2009 and then it spilled over into um, 2008 is when the TV show actually happened. So this was happening in the you know economy people were doing extreme couponing and then it w- it became so popular that they actually started a TV show about it okay and i don't know if you remember that show you know women would i mean these women super talented they would find like every coupon and they would end up getting money back they would leave literally they would leave the store with almost 200 dollars worth of groceries and money in their hand Right, it was a real thing. So, if you're like, I don't know what she's talking about, they would use like coupon on top of coupon. I don't know how they found them, but it was a thing. Extreme couponing happened. So, the, why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this is because this is the way people were stretching their budgets. Okay, so for anybody that's like, Oh, I don't discount my services, listen, I'm with you. I did not run a lot of specials either, but when the going gets tough you might have to rethink your stand on things and have a plan of action. Now, the other thing is, like I said, it lasted for a few years, and now we want to talk about what should you do. What if it does last a few years again? What if it's not just a few months, okay? So the first thing is plan ahead. Okay, but let me tell you how to plan ahead. You should have cash, on hand, you should have enough cash in your business. And when I say cash, I mean in the bank, right? It doesn't have to be like in a lock box in the backyard, but you should have enough reserves, money reserved for at least six months if you did not make any income for six months. Okay. I know some of you just like had a little bit of a panic. Six months, you have at least six months where if you don't make any money, now we're going to plan for you to make some money, but we want you to be prepared as if, it doesn't, it's not going to happen. And here's the other thing is when the recession hit in 2008, small businesses were not able to get loans as easily. The reason is because it wasn't stable. So if you think, oh, well, I'll just take out a loan. There's an expression that I like to use. It's a Texas expression. So I have to pay honor to my roots growing up in Texas. And it is, I should say it with a Texas accent, which is You have to dig the well before you're thirsty. Oh, I can't even do my Texas accent anymore. Well, anyways, okay. You have to dig the well before you're thirsty. So if you are looking at this and you're like, hmm, I don't have those funds right now, then maybe you should look into getting a loan. So if you're like, I don't have the six months reserved or I don't know what I would do, now is the time when banks are, you don't want to do it in the thick of it, okay? Hopefully that's resonating with you. Okay. So Annie brought up a really good point and I want to address it. She said, I always worry that I can't change back our prices after you lower the prices. So you're not permanently lowering the prices, but you will at that time, you're going to offer specials that, I mean, let's just be honest. That's probably what will happen right? That's what people do. And not only that, mind you, people in a recession, they kind of expect a special. Somebody was saying in one of the Facebook groups, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in what they said, it was in 2008. It really wasn't 2008. It was after 9-11 in 2001, the sale of red lipstick went up by, it like tripled the sale of red lipstick, and the reason that happened is because women wanted like a little pick-me-up to feel good, right? They didn't want to splurge on any big beauty service, right? They weren't going and having, you know, plastic surgery or anything like that. And this is after 9-11 in 2001, felt kind of down and somber. They wanted to have a little pick-me-up. So they did get beauty services, but a lot of women in 2008, they stopped you know, doing things that seemed extravagant. And like, let's just say they would normally wear a fur coat out in the winter. They would not wear things like that. Didn't want to be seen as over the top and opulent. Right. Or, you know, insensitive. Honestly, that's the real of it. Okay. 100. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So you'll just offer some specials. And so people will, that's just kind of a given. So people know that, you know, Your prices are going to, you know, when the economy is going well and there is demand. Remember, price is based on not only the value of the service, but supply and demand. So when you're doing well, you know, your services will be priced higher. Okay. So have the money on hand now. And if that means starting to, you know, look at your expenses and figure out ways to save here and there, then you do. Right? Okay. Now, the next one is don't panic. Don't panic and start to cut. The first thing that people cut is their marketing budget. So when I was reading and, and kind of like looking up statistics for this Facebook Live and this video, I was looking at the information that's out there. And uh, one, of the, one of the articles said, actually a few of the articles said that the first pe- place that people start to cut is they cut their marketing budget okay and so they cut their marketing budget thinking not only do they cut it, but some eliminate it. That is absolutely the opposite that you should do. If anything, you should step up your marketing. And I'm not just saying that because you're like an, oh, well, of course you're saying that you do marketing. No, I'm not saying that I actually I don't do your marketing. I teach you how to do it so, I want you to know how to do your own marketing, right? Because you might have to let go of the agency that does your marketing and you might have to roll up your sleeves and do some of this stuff yourself. Okay. You have to actually step up your marketing a little bit more because you need to be seen more than ever at a time, you know, when it's flowing and the economy is great and, you know, it's all around, you know, you don't have to do as much advertising, but When times get a little lean, you do want to be in front of people, be on their radars. And what your marketing is going to change because now your marketing is really going to be talking about the value. First of all, your marketing should always talk about the value of your services, but the value and the long-term value that they're getting from the service right so the long term way it's actually helping them and you're going to break it down for them that it's only as i always say about a dollar 50 a day or whatever it turns out to be right so that it feels doable with their budget so that they can see it happening okay hopefully this is all resonating with you guys here we go number 3 so this is one of my favorites i feel like everyone should have a customer loyalty plan, you should have a customer loyalty plan. So many times we just, you know, give the specials to the new clients. And this is where I really want you to think about your existing clients, because as the expression goes, a bird in the hand, right? A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You know, one of the things that I like to tell my students is a buyer is a buyer is a buyer. Right, People that have already stepped up and raised their hand and said, yes, I appreciate your services. Then those are the people that you want to continue to treat well. Right, They already value you and so therefore it's finding more things that you can sell to them. So one of the things to do is you don't want them shopping around finding the cheapest in town. So you want to increase that customer loyalty. And one of the things that I like to increase customer loyalty with is with a loyalty card. So increase that customer loyalty with a a loyalty card. So you guys know these little cards that you can get, you can stamp them for extra savings. And here are some things I want you to think about in terms of your loyalty card. So have them, so somebody was asking the other day in one of the Facebook groups, like how do I get more reviews? Because I'm sure you guys know, you hear me talk about it a lot, social proof is so important, right? especially when there's a lot of noise out there. How do you get people to see the value of your services? It's by testimonials. So if you can have your little customer loyalty card, they get a stamp when they do a Yelp review, right? They'll pull it up on their phone. They'll show you they did the review. They'll come in, they'll get a stamp. They get a stamp when they do a Facebook review. Yes or yes. Tell me. I mean, seriously, that is golden stuff right there. They get a stamp when they do a little check-in at your location, or you could do it for like an Instagram stories, or if they take a selfie and tag your business. Chelsea says a little off topic, but I always feel bad for those clients that have paid full price for services to now give a discount. Yeah. Yeah. Chelsea, I'm telling you, I agree with that as well. I feel that way as well. Here's the thing though. Things go on sale and then they go off sale. So sometimes timing is just one of those things, right? You know, if you get that TV on Black Friday, you probably saved $400. If you bought that TV a month earlier, you didn't save anything. But you got to enjoy that TV a month earlier, right? So I mean, I think there's always trade-offs. Timing cannot be perfect on things. This is just one of those things. It, it happens all the time. You're like, oh my gosh, and now it's on sale, right? My mom, as I might've mentioned earlier, she booked her flight because my daughter's birthday is today. So she's flying in their birthday party is this weekend. She's flying in today for their birthday from Texas. And when she went to book that flight, which was like two and a half months ago or longer, it was so expensive. It was like, I don't know, it was like $600 from Texas, which is usually not, it's usually like $200, right? It was an expensive flight. Mind you, you know, those flights now are like dirt cheap. In fact, they'll probably pay you to get on the plane. (laughs) Like the flights are so cheap now. I mean, there's jokes on the internet, like, you know, anybody want to go to Cordova, Vallarta for lunch? Because flights are so cheap. Okay. I could go from California to Hawaii one way $99. That's usually a thousand dollars, right? I mean, things just change. That's how that's the way it is with the economy. Okay. So now going back to your loyalty card, you have the okay, yeah, they're checking in. If they come in and then they're gonna, if they do a selfie and tag you, they get a stamp. If they, oh, if they prepay for a service, right? And you're like, now how would they prepay for a service? they're going to buy a gift certificate. If they buy a gift certificate, which is like prepaying for a service in a way, buying a gift certificate is like a layaway program, which by the way is bonus points. So if you're like, how could I do like payment plans for my clients? Yeah, there are care credit and there's different types of financing and things like that, but they could also just buy gift certificates, you know, a month in advance, two months in advance, and kind of pay it out that way, little by little. When they have some cash, come in and buy a gift certificate. So if they prepay by buying a gift certificate, they get a stamp. So all of these stamps add up to what? they add up to a percentage off of their service. They add up to free upgrade. You know, if you did eyelash extensions, maybe you do a hybrid for free or you do volume for free. Maybe they get that. If they fill up a card of 10 stamps, they get a fill for free or you know, whatever works for your budget, right? If you're a higher priced service and you can't do a free service. You do a percentage off or $25 off or things like that. I'm telling you, these reward cards are incentives and you know why they're incentives because everybody likes a little discount or something free. And that's why you see so many stores that do things like this, right? Or everybody has that reward shopping cards, right? In the past, people would say, I don't want to give away my personal information. Now they're like, do you want to sign up for rewards discount? You're like, Absolutely. Take all my information, (laughs) right? Yes. Okay. You raised your prices in 2020. So if you did a little raise, then you can definitely do some discounts, right? We're moving on from the customer loyalty. So then the next thing I want you to do is I want you to tap into your network for those win-win opportunities. Okay. Tapping into your network that is going to be you know there's going to be other businesses that are also struggling at this time okay it's not going to be just us so so you're going to tap into those networks and say hey how can we work together right and whether that is power partners like some other well-known business professionals in your area that also do beauty services that also serve your clientele hopefully you have those relationships established before this. And you can say, Hey, let's brainstorm on some ways that we can serve our clients. It might also be some, you know, of the beauty influencers, right? Make sure I'm going to do a whole episode on that, on how to, you know, if it's an influencer, making sure that you have your contract, make sure that it is a win-win in your favor, but you want to tap into that network. Okay. Now here's some things that I want to kind of mention i feel like it's kind of common sense but sometimes we don't think about these things and that is i want you to expand cautiously okay meaning that we've already gone through all of these you already have your money on reserves your marketing is on point and doing well you have a good customer loyalty and you have some great connections with power partners then you're looking to expand and expand could be hiring and it could also be office space. I see so many beauty professionals that are, you know, getting these beautiful, maybe they're renovating their space or they're getting a larger space. So that's awesome. Just make sure that when you sign that lease that you are prepared, as we said before, right? Because these higher expenses, whether it's you know hiring a team member or having a bigger office space or the money you had to take out for that renovation, just you know, make sure that again you've done the higher steps before you do that. Now, the last two is gonna be right here, reducing your inventory without reducing the quality of your services. Okay, so this is where we don't really want to hurt our reputation. Obviously, you might need to reduce some of your inventory and scale back, but you don't want it to hurt your services. So look at your products and in supplies that you use Mm -hmm. for your beauty services and see where you can make some adjustments. Now, right? It's good to just go over that list and see are there some extra expenses? You're like, hmm. I keep ordering this, but we don't really use it. Right. So whatever it is, you know, or, you know, I really don't need to buy any more pigment right now, or I do have enough supplies on hand or, you know, figuring out what, where it is that you can kind of reduce a little bit of that inventory. But again, don't sacrifice the quality. And then the last thing that I want to tell you is repeat, go back up here, plan ahead and step up your marketing, these are the two things to do right now. Actually, all of it can be done right now. But the last thing I want to tell you is you're going to start to think outside of the box. Because one of the things, you know, there's the expression, when times get tough, the tough get going or something like that. Like you have to sometimes be, when there's not a, a lot of resources, you have to be resourceful, right? And so you have to start to think, where can I find new clients. Where can I find more clients? So you might have a booth at a trade show. And I know you're saying, but April, that's an expense, right? You have to see, is the return on investment going to work in your favor? You have to get exposure in other areas. You might do some speaking around town. Like if there's a local women's group, a real estate women's group that you can speak at, your church, anything like that, where you can talk about, you know, you'll do... You're going to talk about your services at the end, but at first you're just going to give value, right? And talk about how they can, you know, look and feel their best and that type of thing. Then also um, any local events and community events. You know, this is not the time to stick your head in the hole and freak out. It's the time to be proactive and to start to think about these things. Again, you remember how we started and said, you know, most people don't have a plan having a plan, even if it's just like, okay, I think I could do this. I do have enough just checking, right? So that you don't have the panic. So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. Hey, if you found this valuable, I would totally appreciate it. If you would sprinkle this around the internet, which means just share into another Facebook group or on your business page or wherever. I would totally appreciate that. That would be so caring of you. If you have any questions or I'll go through the questions and see what I missed and answer all of those, make sure you tag me so I can come back and follow up with you. Again, this is not about fear and panic. This is about being prepared, being a smart beauty business owner and having systems in place so that you don't stress. Okay, that's what I wanted to give you. Thank you for the hearts and love. That's all I have. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Beauty Marketing Simplified Podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure you subscribe, download, and also leave us a review. Let us know any topics that you would like to hear about and also definitely refer it to a friend. Thank you again for joining us. I'm signing off. This is April with grit and grace, hugs and high fives. See you next week.